We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, what's going on, everybody? Happy Friday. NFL Draft Round 1 is in the books. It is overnight on Thursday after midnight. And uh, this won't be a long episode, but we're going to talk about what the Bills did in Round 1. Maybe take a little... Look into rounds two and three. I am joined right now by Anthony Marino from Buffalo Rumblings, a good friend of mine, one of my favorite bloggers and podcasters out there. What's going on, Anthony? Thanks for doing this, like, really, really late, man. It's, like, literally the middle of the night. I want to make sure this gets out in the morning, though, and didn't want to wait till uh, the morning to record. So what's up, buddy? No, absolutely. You want to get that instant reaction in, and, man, it was a long first round, wasn't it? It It was. And I'll tell you what, we'll talk about some things. And I, I literally have no notes in front of me. I have the first round of the draft in front of me. Pretty much that's <laughs> it. And that's kind of the way I wanted to do it because I sort of want this to be a little bit of a, a knee-jerk reaction episode here. So before we get into anything else, let's uh well, let's start with the obvious. The Buffalo Bills took Gregory Rizzo with the 30th pick. They went on the clock and if you were thinking running back, and I know you and I at various times, which especially with Travis Etienne, have kind of went back and forth with that. We both liked him, but questioned if it would be uh, the best fit. Anyway, that question never mattered because he went 25 to Jacksonville, which that did surprise me. Pittsburgh taking Najee Harris at 24 didn't surprise me that much. But anyway, so the Bills go on the clock. I think there were five, six corners that were off the board already, and the Bills went on the clock with, Gregory Rizzo, uh, Jason Oa, Joe Tyron, and Aziz Aljuleri all on the board. Four defensive ends. I definitely did not see that coming. And ultimately, the Bills ended up going with Gregory Rizzo. So let me start there, man. Let me just get your thoughts on how it played out leading up to a couple of picks before Buffalo and then when they're on the clock. And ultimately, 
uh, your knee-jack re- reaction to, to the pick. Yeah, I mean, the picks before Buffalo surprised me a bit, right? So you had Eric Stokes going 29 to the Packers. You had Peyton Turner going 28 to the Saints and Rashad Bateman going 27 to the Ravens. So really, as that played out, Pat, I'm thinking to myself, okay, there's a number of defensive ends that are on the board. You got Jeremiah Wusakoromoa on the board. Um, been hearing things about Tyson Campbell from Joe Marino talking about him is someone that's there. You've got people tweeting about Elijah Moore from Ole Miss, Tevin Jenkins, the offensive tackle from Oklahoma State, and Christian Barmore, the defensive tackle from Alabama. So there's all of this circling. Oh, and one other guy, Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State, who there seemed to be a lot of buzz where he was being mocked from some of those national guys that always seem to be in the know. So it really seemed like, wow, the Bills really had a you know, a choice that they could make here, the way that things played out. And Rousseau must have been the defensive end that they wanted, right? When they had their their choice, that's who they went with. I'm I'm a bit surprised that he was the choice, but I I guess maybe I shouldn't be. You know, Pat, it's one of those interesting ones where you look at it, you know, here's a guy that had a a subpar pro day, you know, at least by standards. And I think maybe he was overshadowed by his teammate Jalen Phillips. And, you know, all of a sudden it's a guy that goes from being talked about as a potential top 20 pick to falling out of the first round. And, you know, a lot of times when we talk about that, it's like, should the pro day matter that much? And at least it seemed like from some of the analysts and from, you know, Bill's Twitter, maybe he took that a little bit too seriously because that's the guy that Brandon, Brandon Bean and Sean McDermott wanted. You know, I got to be completely honest. In fact, I tweeted about this not long after the pick. And I mean what I say, and I'm, and I'm, and I'm not going to take it back. And I, I said something, in fact, I don't have my Twitter in front of me, but when I started doing this podcast three years ago, I did it to be honest. I said I was going to have, for better or for worse, if I put my own foot in my mouth, so be it. But I said I would have honest takes and, and honest reactions to things going on with Buffalo sports and with news and media and that I'm not trying to win a popularity contest among Buffalo Bills fans. I'm just going to say things how I feel. And if I'm wrong or if you don't like it, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, but it's how I feel. I didn't love the pick. I don't like the pick. I don't hate the pick. I will say this, and this is one good thing, the way things played out. So we're, again, we're taping this already after midnight and Brandon Bean is literally speaking as we're taping this. I caught the early part of it and he said, and I'm paraphrasing because again, I don't have my, even have my Twitter in front of me for quotes, but that Gregory Rizzo was the guy that they wanted. I will say this. I believe it because it's not like there were five or six defensive ends that were off the board. I mean, again, they did have Oa. They did have Tyron, who, by the way, went literally the next two picks after them. OG Larry didn't get picked at all in the first round. So if nothing else, whether you like the pick or not, you, you should like the fact that Brandon Bean, I think anyway, he's being truthful because they, they, they get the defensive event that they want because uh, unless they really liked Peyton Turner, which who knows, you know what I mean, who went a couple picks before that. How did you feel about corner? Because... I was in on corner, like coming into this draft, like Travis Etienne has always been like my fantasy guy, but I was pretty high on corner, although I do like corners in round two a lot. But one, once Greg Newsom, I started to get a lot of hope. And then I think Cleveland crushed that. In fact, I said I hated Cleveland on Twitter right after that. Pick 26 <laughs> when they took Newsom. 
And then for good measure, Stokes went to Green Bay at 29. So I don't dislike the fact that they went defensive end, especially, again, considering if the Bills were to take a corner with that 30th pick, it would have been the sixth corner, six cornerback off the board. And I don't like that. So I like the position. I just, I don't know. And again, I, you know, I'm not a, not a film expert like Joe Marino and Eric Turner and so many of these other guys. Are, I'm sure they're going to break down the film, and I'm sure they're going to do it in a positive light as well because this guy's a Buffalo Bill now. But I don't know, man. My first thought that I saw, and I'm, I've been reading up on some analysis in the minutes following this pick. The guy's six foot seven. He's a athletic freak. I'm reading. But doesn't he feel like kind of like an A.J. Epinesa where he might even be just as good rushing from the interior as he is from the outside? It just doesn't feel like a like a great fit to me. Now, again, I know Brandon B. knows a hell of a lot more about this football team than I do, but I don't know, man. I'm just uh, I'm, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit floored right now that they that they went with him over Owa when he, when he was on the board. I don't know. Well, I think I think it's one that can feel a little bit underwhelming because Rousseau was a prospect whose stock was dropping, right? Yeah. At least his stock was dropping in in conversations. I mean, there was the one report, right, that um, his agent, Drew Rosenhaus, said, like, listen, we you know we know that he will go in the, the first round. I mean, granted, he went at pick 30, but, you know, the guy was in the green room, and sometimes you look at these players, it's like you don't want anyone sitting there for five hours and then have to come back the next day. But it was it was that type of scenario, right? Like it wasn't an ascending player. Like if the Bills took Jeremiah Wusukormoa, right, who many had projected being a top twenty pick, you know, maybe there would have felt like a little bit more buzz of here's that guy that can be that big nickel or that Swiss Army knife, or you know, what is he going to bring to the team? Or Elijah Moore of like this exciting offensive weapon of man, what can Brian Dable really do with him? And as much as, listen, I have been on the defensive end train, um, you, you've got two different candidates. So I was expecting Jason Oway, if they went edge, to be the guy, right? It, the, all of the, the, the tools, the traits, the athleticism, like let's take this guy. He can you know, play in a rotational role behind Addison and Jerry Hughes and really develop this rookie year and, you know, and kind of refine him as you see fit. But there wasn't the production there on the field. Then on the flip side, you've got Rousseau, who, yeah, he didn't test as well as someone like Jason Oway from Penn State. But then when you look at the tape, and I know people will say like, oh, gosh, he didn't this or he didn't that. Listen, 19 and a half tackles for loss and 15 and a half sacks. I am also not someone that is you know, grinding the tape. There's, there's others that, that can do that. But that just doesn't happen, right? You don't get lucky. And record 15 and a half sacks in a season. Right. Like, that's not just scheme. That is being six foot seven, 260 pounds, athletic, knowing what you're doing. So it was, it was, if you take a look at those two guys, right, you've got one with no tape, but all of the athleticism, and the other one that has the the tape, right? The production on the field, but not that athleticism you'd look you'd look for. So yeah, is it a little bit underwhelming? Yes, but from my standpoint, I can't complain about it because I wanted them to address the pass rush, right? And we, you and I, we had gone back and forth on ETN. I mean, that would have been a, a hell of a lot of fun, right? If you added him to Buffalo and just be like, whatever, with the defense, like you're going to score 40 points a game. Like that's, but I can't complain if it's like, listen, I want the team to address pass rush and Brandon Bean and his scouts and his leadership with the Bills 
say this is the guy that we want because what do I know compared to what those guys do? And maybe he works out and maybe he doesn't, but if that's what I felt they needed to address, like I'm good with it. I'm just not incredibly excited. Underwhelming but practical is is a fair description. And for what it's worth, he was the third end taken in the draft. I think uh, Jalen Phillips and, and Quiddy Pay went one and two, which I think everybody expected. After that, I don't obviously I don't I don't think there was a consensus three. And not that pre-draft rankings by various media outlets mean a thing, but it's not like the Raiders who took, I think, Alex Leatherwood 17th overall, who even Mel Kuyper was almost having a mini coronary out there. They're talking about the guy's a mid to late second round guy. Um, Gregor Rousseau, from what I've looked at, is this falls in line pretty much with what I've read up on by the, by the outlets that I like to read going into the draft. Like, for an example, the Draft Network and Joe Marino and that crew, they actually had Gregory Rizzo ranked 30th, which is quite literally where he went. Uh, Jeff Legold, or Legwald is a senior writer for ESPN. He had um, Gregory Rizzo ranked 25th on his big board, top 100. So, I mean, that's actually a little bit higher. Dane Brugler from The Athletic, very popular, you know, well-known analyst. He had him on like 37th. So he was, it's in line. I'm glad you said underwhelming because as, again, we're taping this, not even a half hour after the pick was made. So it's not like I've had all night to sleep on, you know, sleep on this and, and have a fresh perspective. This is kind of the way I wanted it too, just kind of in that moment reaction. So leading up to the pick, let me, let me ask you this. Was there one or two guys, like say once they got past, uh, well, let's say Travis ATA, because he went 25 to Jacksonville and uh, that, but which stunned me because I mean, they have Robinson. It, it's not that I don't think it's a, a good pick. I just did not see that coming. In fact, I was quite confident that once Najee Harris went to Pittsburgh, I said, Travis Etienne's gift wrap to the Buffalo Bills if they want him, unless somebody moves up. Turns out to be not true. But was there a player that you were like, man, I really want this guy and, and, and after 25? And then, uh, like I said, it just didn't work out that way if that's not the guy you wanted. For me, I keep going back to the same name. That's Greg Newsom. And I said, I hate Cleveland. I really wanted him, man. I think he is right there with Caleb Farley is the third best corner. Was that a surprise to you as well that uh, Farley went in the first round to Tennessee with the uh, with with the injuries? It was a surprise to me. I mean, that was a guy that you looked at and said there are too many red flags for me to stomach with with Farley, right? Like that would have been probably too much of a gamble. Just when you talk about those issues with the back, the multiple surgeries that he's had, you know, you just think to yourself, man, this guy can be incredibly talented. So I was a bit surprised that he went at twenty two. Um, you know, when you, to your question, right? Like after ETN went off the board, um, my focus did initially shift to Newsom because I was resigned to the fact that they were going to draft a cornerback. And that was the guy that was top on the board. But of course, I mean, it was five minutes later and he comes off to the Cleveland Browns, which it was like, okay. And then really, I'm just, I'm looking at the edge defenders and it was Jeremiah Wusakoromoa, that guy that I looked at and said, okay, this is just a great football player. And if he can be that third linebacker, or if he can be that third safety, or if he can end up replacing Teron Johnson, right? So you can, you know, disguise what you're doing a little bit when he's out on the field. It's not a tell. You know, here's a guy that that has some versatility. That was one that was really intriguing to me. But but like I said to you before, I've wanted them to address the pass rush. I felt like they needed to address the pass rush in the first round. And they did it. And again, just, you know, 
a guy who, at least in in draft Twitter, whose stock was dropping a little bit. So it doesn't bring that type of buzz and excitement. But the other thing, Pat, there's still a lot of names out there. Like the draft isn't over yet, and there's a lot of talent that's still available. You know, tomorrow's going to be interesting too. Let me read a couple quickly here, um, instant analysis from the pros. I, I mentioned Dane Brugler from The Athletic. This is what he had to say about the pick. The Bills needed to get younger at pass rusher, and they chose Rizzo, who is a faith-based projection with only one year of production after opting out of the 2020 season. He is really long with a quick get-off to challenge blockers out of the gate, but Rizzo is still learning how to use all of his gifts in unison, which is why many view him as a boom-bust type of player. By the way, that doesn't bother me at all because I think we've accepted the fact going into this, whether it would have been Ola, whether it would have been Tyron, even it would have been Phillips or Cody or Quiddy Pay, they weren't going to step in and be a starter right away. Regardless, it was going to be Hughes and Addison. And this guy about this year was going to be about developing and, and becoming the future because there's a very good chance that this will be the end of the road this year for Addison for sure. And possibly Hughes as well. Anyway, and then the other one I read up on was uh pro football focus. And they said Rizzo is a physical freak at 6'7 with the 34.75 inch arms and 11 inch hands. He opted out of 2020 season uh, and carries concerns about how he'll have a true edge defender. Though Rizzo rushed the passer just 283 times in his college career, anywhere from zero technique to stand up outside linebacker. It's good that he's versatile. He earned a, a 71.3 pass rushing grade from outside of tackle, but when he came inside, it spiked to 85.1. So he's a guy who can light up on the inside and get after the quarterback as well, which kind of reminds me a little bit of a free agent. They signed F.E. Obata. So who's the big, so it's only one round and there's a lot of draft to go starting tonight with rounds two and three. Like I always like to look at the roster as it stands after a pick. So like Daryl Johnson right now is probably the guy who's sitting at home. If if Anthony Marino and Pat Moran are, are underwhelmed by this pick, I'm going to imagine that Daryl Johnson right now is like flat out unhappy. You know what I mean? Because he just probably became the fifth defensive end. Well, and but you can argue he was the fifth defensive end before, right? I think you look at someone like F.A. Obata, he could end up being that, you know, yeah. filling the the Quentin Jefferson role, right? I, I like misspoke. Maybe I, I meant to say sixth, Anthony, not even fifth. He's the sixth now because you got Obata and Epinesa as the two backups. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. And I think it could be interesting too. I mean, and this is getting way ahead of ourselves, but depending on how these guys do in camp, you know, does someone like Mario Addison become the 2021 version of Trent Murphy? You know, maybe he's the guy that's inactive on game days because, you know, the younger guys are showing a little bit more juice. So it is uh, it is early on, but I do have an interesting fact here for you that I did just see. Um, Marcel Luis Jock, as well as others are, you know, they must be having the press conference right now with Gregory Rousseau. And he's got here, Greg Rousseau's parents lived in Buffalo for five years, he said. It's where his brother was born. So it looks hmm. like back in the 90s, and he's familiar with Jim Kelly, of course, because of the University of Miami. But, you know, I think that is something that just, uh, you know, as, as that comes out for for Buffalo Bills fans, you know, knowing that there's a, a tie to the city, I think that's something that would sit pretty well with Bills Mafia. Yeah, for sure. And look, it's not a shock. I mean, he was at, he was in Cleveland. He was projected to be go somewhere around this, like late first round, maybe early second round. Aaron Quinn and I did a series of six straight mock drafts, and we took Roseau once. It was, but we didn't get him in the first. We got him in the second, but we traded up in the second to get him. 
Um, and I'm reading out results said that he had an idea that the Bills might pick. And by the way, you mentioned Marcel Louis Jacques. Props to him because he's one of the few that I know that actually nailed this mock that picked. Uh, in fact, he did it on TV. He was on ESPN Sports Nation and uh, he picked Gregory Rousseau and also Ashley Holder from Channel 2. Those are the only two that I know of as we're taping this anyway that uh, they got it right. Anyway, so before we switch to the NFL stuff, because I got a couple you know, general draft things that I want to hit on before I get you out of here. What are you looking forward to going into tonight, rounds two and three? I, I head on corner. I still think there's a very good chance that they address that early. Is there another position, maybe a sneaky position or something like that, that you think they might address if they end up having two picks as scheduled? You know, I, I think if you talk about being sneaky, and I don't know how sneaky it is, right, but will the team look to do something at wide receiver? You know, is that a again an offensive weapon, somebody that they will add to the mix, knowing that Emmanuel Sanders is on a one-year deal? Um, you know, a lot of fans talk about Isaiah Hodgins, but it's like, listen, the guy was a six-round pick last year. He was on injured reserve. You know, I we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed think that's something that we could see see the bills do but um i'll be honest with you i mean they have to do something at cornerback in round two or three like i i think it's to the point now um and i'm a fan of levi wallace but you can't go into the season with with him and dane jackson really is your two options at that outside position if you do end up getting someone in the third round it's not like they're even a guarantee to come in and start at day one but just to have someone that maybe you can develop even if it's not for the 2021 season, but to 2022, um, they've got to do something at cornerback. The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything, which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Before we talk about a few things that went on around the league with the draft, about Aaron Rodgers, man. Couldn't just let the kids have their day leading up to you know, these hours into the draft, how convenient with the timing. So Aaron Rodgers wants out, which I don't know about you, but that caused me some anxiety all the way up until New England made their pick, which we'll 
talk about that in a minute, but was that kind of a bombshell to you to learn today or whatever Thursday that Aaron Rodgers wants out and that it sounds like, like he's not going back to green Bay. He had made noise at the end of the season, right? There had been talk about potentially retiring or not coming back. And, you know, you just wonder like, Hey, you have a disappointing loss in the playoffs. You know, you're on the verge of going to the super bowl. Like, is it just the emotion talking? Then that comes out today. I mean, first off, you know, the 49ers where you think like they're just taking their shot, right? Offering the number three pick and, and some other pieces to try and get Rogers almost like, Hey, why not? You know, they tried to do it with Tom Brady in the past. And, you know, if it's really something where he's on the market, making a phone call doesn't hurt. And then it comes out that just like, yeah, no, he's not happy. He does not want to come back to green Bay. Then it's reported like either San Francisco uh, Las Vegas or Denver are really the three teams he would want to play for. And it's just, again, it's draft day, right? So you're thinking rumors and who's going to go where and what are the bills going to do and all these young quarterbacks. And now all of a sudden the focus is on Aaron Rodgers and what's going to happen with the Packers. And it is just, uh, it's not a good situation there, man. No, it's not. And I mean, it certainly sounded like at some point early on, at least going, going, according to reports that Denver was a, a strong candidate to end up with him. It could be interesting. I mean, you're talking an NFL MVP coming into the AFC, obviously where the Bills play and also in Kansas City's division. Ugh. But anyway, all right. So in terms of the draft, five quarterbacks went in the first 15 picks, which I think we all expected. No surprises at one and two with Lawrence and Zach Wilson. Trey Lance going to three. I personally don't think it was that big of a surprise, but there was a lot of Mac Jones talk from the start, him going there. But ultimately, they went with Trey Lance, which I think if you're giving up three first rounders, you better swing for the fences, man. And I think that's what Frisco did. And now it makes sense, I think, to keep Jimmy Garoppolo for a year because as good as Trey Lance is, and I think he has a much bigger ceiling than Mac Jones, but I think Mac Jones would have been more ready to play as a rookie, whereas Trey Lance, it might take him a year. But then the big one was Justin Fields. Where is he going to end up? And again, as somebody who's, you know, doesn't like the New England Patriots, I was I kept waiting to see the Patriots trade up and it never happened. It ended up being Chicago who came up from 20 to 11 um, to get Justin Fields. And then Mac Jones falls to New England at 15. I'm going to give you a take on that. But before that, I'm going to tell you what I think about that. And, and I tweeted this too. I said, I may come to eat this tweet later on, you know, for years to come. And I'll totally own it because you know how, like right now, I'm telling you that I don't really like the Gregory Rizzo pick. I might sound like an idiot three years from now. Two, dude, two years ago, by the way, quick side note, I said Devin Singletary was going to be the best player in the Bills offense after his rookie year. One year later, I'm like, yo, this dude might not even be on the roster <laughs> next year. So you know how things can change real quick here. But anyway, I said, I might eat this for years to come and I'll own it, but I'm going to say it anyway. I'm glad that New England ended up with Mac Jones. I wanted them to take Mac Jones. I feared Lance and Fields significantly more and even more so. I feared that if New England left this draft without a quarterback after all the money they spent this offseason, I, I feared that they would trade for Aaron Rodgers or maybe Deshaun Watson if things clear up in his favor over the next few months. Who the hell knows? Or, you know, I, I was more afraid of that than anything. So I ain't afraid of Mac Jones. And again, I might eat my words someday, but like, what, what was your take on that and how things played out for them? Yeah. So, I mean, one, like you said, Justin Fields was the guy I really kept watching as he was falling. Like, is someone going to make a move? Even when the Eagles made the trade with the Cowboys, it's like, 
what what's even happening here, right? Because I'm thinking that was going to be a spot where someone would have jumped up to 10 to to grab fields. And so when he went to the Bears, right, and they swung big to get him, it was like, okay, it takes that off the board. I like Mac Jones. I mean, it's one of those where anytime you look at someone that comes a quarterback from Alabama, though, you you pause just a little bit because their roster is always so talented. And you look at the weapons that they've always had around them and the number of guys that just go get picked in the first round and the second round. But I don't hate Mac Jones, right? And I realize people were kind of, you know, ragging on him a little bit on Twitter tonight and, you know, how quickly he was walking down the hall and everything. But there is something likable to Mac Jones as a person. And I'm going to be curious to see how he does. Now, as I say that, I'm not looking at it with fear as a Buffalo Bills fan, right? I think it's this, you know, you talk about trying to fill the shoes of Tom Brady. Like this isn't someone just, just steps in to, to new England. If that was the case, we would have seen it last year with, with Cam Newton or Jared Siddham or others that they had, but yeah, did I want to see the Patriots get a quarterback? No, if they went, went over in that category and ended up taking a, Alex Leatherwood instead of the Raiders, I would have been cool with that. But uh, I'm curious to see how things go with him, but it's not one that you know I think strikes a lot of fear into to fans' hearts right now. Nah, doesn't for me at all. And like I said, I'd rather them go with them, go with Mac Jones and try to end up pulling a, a crazy trade for an Aaron Rodgers. Let's talk briefly. All right, so that's the Patriots. That was their only pick. They took Mac Jones. The Bills had one pick at defensive end. The other two teams in the division had two picks in the first round each. And I mean, it's hard to really criticize anything either team did. Uh, Start with the Jets. They got Zach Wilson with the second pick, which we all knew that was coming. And then I I love, in fact, you know what? One of my favorite moves of this whole entire first round was the Jets moving up from 18 to 14 to get Elijah Vera Tucker. I've been really high on that guy, man. I mean, he's a stud, potential perennial Pro Bowl guard. And suddenly... A Jets offensive line that's just been horrific, man. As bad as they were last year, that um, Becton, the, the rookie they took last year, he was a big bright spot. Now you got him and Tucker. Like that side of the line is going to be good for a long time. You like what the Jets did with, I, I mean, obviously we knew they were taking Zach Wilson, so there was no suspense there. But to move up four spots to take Tucker, what were your thoughts on that? Yeah, Tucker, I mean, it, it surprised me a little bit at the time, I guess, but it, it shouldn't, right? Because as you just talk about, solidifying that offensive line, having a rookie quarterback. For me, more the question is with Zach Wilson, right? Because here's a guy that kind of came out of nowhere this season, Yeah, um, didn't play against the greatest competition. Now, again, right, we, we have Josh Allen as our quarterback from Wyoming. Like, he didn't play against the greatest competition, and he didn't put up Zach Wilson type of numbers. But, you know, I look at someone like Justin Fields, and I still question, like, how was he not the Jets' pick? That to me stands out just a little bit of someone that can come in. You know, this is not a team. They don't have a bridge quarterback on their roster. They don't have a veteran to really mentor Zach Wilson and coming in. I mean, it is it is going to be like, yeah, you're the starter from from day one. Not the scenario like Lance has in San Francisco, where he can sit behind Garoppolo. So, you know, Wilson kind of has to hit for them, and that's there's still a little bit of a question there. Because you look at it, and I do think there's parts. I mean, 
he seems like a nice enough guy. He looks incredibly young, right? So sometimes you're almost to yourself like, looks like he's in high school, dude. Oh my God, he's just a kid, right? Like, and, <laughs> and he is a kid. I mean, but you know, so so, and that's like not a, a knock on him. He can obviously play, but for the Jets, you know, you've got that number two pick, and it's like you you don't get Lawrence. You screw things up during the regular season, so you don't get the number one pick, and then you've got to make that choice. So. You know, again, it, you look at Justin Fields playing in the Big Ten, Ohio State. That body of work, it's just like if if Lauren, if he does not work work out, if Wilson does not work out, um, that's the biggest question for me with the Jets and and something to to monitor. Yeah, I'll tell you for what it's worth, me personally, if I were picking second, I wouldn't have taken Zach. I think he was like my fourth quarterback. I think I definitely would have taken Fields, and I think I would have taken Lance in front of him too. And it was kind of interesting. I don't know if you watched TSPN or NFL Network coverage on, on tonight, but uh, Mel Kuyper was kind of critical, not so much critical of Zach Wilson, although he was, he raised some questions about him and his lack of playing against real competition, which I think is fair, but his points were more focused on uh, the Jets should have kept Darnold and just built more talent around him that he wasn't put in a position to, to succeed in New York with the new staff, but I don't know, man. I think sometimes you get scarred so bad. It's like if you're in a bad relationship after a while, it doesn't matter what changes around you. It's still, you know, those scars just run a little bit too deep and it's time to time to move on. So I get why they they traded Darno. But yeah, Mel, Mel Kuyper was uh, pretty critical. So what about Miami? Now, actually, before we get to Miami, one of the bigger surprises for me was to pick right in front of them, which by the way, as a Bills fan, I do like the way it worked out with the first three picks being quarterback. And then picks four and five, I absolutely did not want the Miami Dolphins to get Kyle Pitts or uh, Jamar Chase. And that's exactly how it worked out because Pitts went to Atlanta at four, which I was a little wary of. I was concerned Atlanta was going to take uh, another quarterback and push those guys down, but that didn't happen, thankfully. But then Cincinnati passed on the left tackle to protect Joe Burrow and took Chase. Did that surprise you a little bit? It did surprise me a bit just because you've got your franchise quarterback. Your line was not good last season. Obviously, Burrow gets knocked out for the season. But then it's also like, okay, I mean, when you look back to what Burrow and Chase did together at LSU, it's tempting to bring that chemistry and that rapport back together with those two guys. So, you know, as I said before, right, like there's still there's still plenty of time the Bengals, they're picking early, you know, early in the second round. Do they add a Landon Dickerson or a Creed Hump, uh, Creed Humphrey, sure. or a Tevin Jenkins? I mean, there, there's some guys that are still out there. Um, of course, it's not talking about a, a potential franchise left tackle, but there's some more they can do to address the line. And you know, at least by the end of the day tomorrow, you know, I can't criticize them for it yet. If they don't do anything with the line tomorrow, that'll be different. Fair enough. So Miami ends up taking, they had a choice between Waddle and Devontae Smith and they went with Waddle, who is, I think he's a more dangerous player. I think he's more of a Tyreek Hill type player, but I really like Devontae Smith. So I'm not sure I agree with that pick, but I mean, hey, it's a weapon that Tua badly needs and he'll probably fit in really well with um, Will Fuller, who they signed this offseason as well. They got Kaseki. So Miami's building up. Devontae Parker's still there. So there's weapons that are forming around Tua. And then with their second pick at 18, they took Jalen Phillips, which I was not happy about. I wanted him to go to Buffalo. I was a big Jalen Phillips fan. 
but I, I realistically did not think he was going to go to, uh, or that he would last all the way to 30. So they ended up with Waddle and they ended up with Jalen Phillips. So, I mean, you kind of got to tip your cat to Miami. I, I think they, they definitely got better. Yeah. I mean, they definitely got better. The question for me when it came about when Cincinnati passed on Penny Sewell was like, will Miami take him to play on their offensive line? Because I think when you look at Miami's offensive line, you know, there, there's guys that they drafted last year that didn't really perform as rookies. And it's just like, listen, you know, you, you got rid of Laramie Tunsil, you got all these picks. Do you use this knowing that maybe later in the first round again, you can you can address wide receiver and get somebody there. But as you said, right, I mean, you've got a Devontae Parker, you've got a Will Fuller, you've got some guys. Like the question for them is still, you know, is Tua Tagovailoa going to be that quarterback for them? And is is it getting him more weapons or is it getting him more protection? Or is it really just the question if he is the guy? I mean, it wasn't that long ago where, you know, we were talking about like, are they going to make a trade for Deshaun Watson? And just, you know, do you just know that he is not he is not it right now? Now, certainly, right, coming off of a rookie year, I don't think there's enough out there on him to say that the Dolphins should give up on Tua Tagovailoa. That is not what I'm saying. Right, he's not a Josh Rosen type of situation. But um, it's kind of, you know, I don't want to say it's a make or break season for him, but he's got to make a step forward and – I'm just curious to see if he can do it and if Jalen Waddell is going to be enough as a rookie wide receiver to really help him get over that hump. But as we talked about before, too, they've got plenty of picks coming up over the next two days, and uh, there's other moves they can make. Yeah, a few other interesting things that I, again, on draft night for me was Dallas picking 10. I thought they might get their pick between Horn or Sertain because they badly need a corner. They both won eight and nine, so Dallas got screwed. Now they ended up moving back two spots and picked up a third, which was pretty cool. Philly moved up. They got Devontae Smith. I like that pick. And then Dallas with 12 got Micah Parsons. He was a good linebacker. He was the top linebacker in the draft. But, I mean, they got a couple good linebackers. I, I mean, their secondary is just putrid. So, a little bit surprised about that. But as a whole, as you look at this, I would say, again, we talked about Leatherwood already. I think Zayvon Collins going to Arizona, that, that felt like, I don't know, just going by mock drafts that I've been looking at from a lot of experts. That was kind of shocking. And Jameen Davis going 19 to Washington. So three linebackers went in the first round and none of them were JOK. That to me is one of the more surprising things of this, uh, of this entire first round. Now again, let's circle back to the bills as we get out of here. So you're looking in the rounds two and three um, tonight. We already talked about JOK and Christian Barmore, Elijah Moore, uh, O'Jalary, uh, Creed Humphrey, you mentioned him and, and Landon Dickerson, you mentioned him. By the way, Mel Kuyper, I don't know. Did, so I don't know if you heard it. He was talking up Javante Williams. I was like, man, all I kept thinking in my mind is there would have been a Twitter explosion if they drafted Travis Etienne. Can you imagine if they would have taken a third running back off the board in the first round? <laughs> Javante Williams, that shit would have been fire, man. Heads would have exploded. Yeah. Heads, heads <laughs> would have exploded. There's a couple interior linemen. Uh, uh, Dylan Randos, Wyatt Davis from Ohio State. That's a guy that Aaron and Quinn and I have mocked uh, a couple times on ours and, and there's some receivers. I don't think Elijah Moore will be anything close to 61. He'll probably go really early tonight. Uh, but yeah, Terrace Marshall, Rondell Moore. Um, you talked about Asante Samuel. So don't fret on one draft pick. You know, there's plenty of talent to go around. One last thing too, and then I'll give you the last word, Anthony. 
by the time I wake up in the morning, I'm probably going to come around to this Gregory Rizzo pick a lot more. Uh, it's ma- it's getting more practical to me as, as reality sets in a little bit by the minute. I just think I was hell bent and stuck on my own guys. And when I get one of my own guys, my knee- natural knee jerk reaction is to not like the pick, you know? Well, and listen, it was uh, just about a month ago. I'd done an article at buffalorumblings.com and I always try to get the pulse on what the readers are thinking. And I put out, you know, and you have the article and I had a poll with like five different options that they can say, who do you want the Bills to pick in the first round? And, you know, it's after really free agency had taken place. You've got everyone re-signed. So it's, hey, what do you want to do? And I had Travis Etienne as an option, Creed Humphrey, Gregory Rousseau, Christian Barmore, and Eric Stokes. And Eric Stokes is the only one that wasn't available. He mm-hmm. went to pick beforehand. Over 35% of the readers, right? I mean, the 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 leader in the clubhouse wanted Gregory Rousseau, right? And that was just a month ago. And the only thing that changed was he had a pro day that like people said, oh, it wasn't as good as Jalen Phillips and he didn't show his, you know, explosive in the vertical leap and with his broad jump. And it's like, do those things really make a difference for what we're talking about right now with this? I don't know, but I'm just looking at it and thinking to myself, if we were excited about him a month ago, and the only thing that changed was a pro day. And it's not like he came out in the pro day, like, you know, looking like he put on 20 pounds and was completely out of shape. Like, yeah, I'm okay with it. Like I said, I mean, it wasn't like the most exciting pump your fist type of, you know, oh my gosh, I can't believe this guy fell to 30. But for what this team needs and for what he's produced on the field, yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah. Your your boy, your colleague, your peer, my buddy. Bruce Nolan, you think he's sleeping better tonight? <laughs> no, he's recording right now. I'm expecting it to be about a three-hour-long podcast <laughs> on why the Bills should have gone with a cornerback and and what they can do. But like I said to you before, though, I mean, all kidding aside, like I do hope that the Bills address the cornerback on, on day two. I think there's a good chance they do, and there's two guys in particular that I didn't mention either of these guys that Aaron and Aaron Quinn and I have mocked that I really like a lot. One of them is uh, Afiete Melanfanu, lengthy corner from Syracuse. And the other one's Elijah Molden, who is a, a slot corner. And again, Asante Samuel is there. So I do think there's opportunity. And I wouldn't even be shocked if the Bills moved up for a corner. So if you leave this draft, well, there'll be other picks as well. But if your primary focus was getting another edge guy and getting a corner, you have an opportunity to still have mission accomplished. Again, it might not have been the most glamorous first round pick, but these are positions of need. And it does make sense long-term, like I said, and Brandon Bean has said it from the beginning. It's going to be about more long-term than short-term. I'm with you. I'm not, I can live with Levi Wallace, but I'd rather have somebody else out there, you know? Well, you need some competition and you need something that's a longer-term solution Again, even if it's not for the beginning of the 2021 season, um, similar to what we've talked about with Rousseau, with an AJ Epinesa, like, you know, to have someone that can play cornerback two opposite of Trey White and develop with this team. What was your knee jerk reaction? Because right before you recorded with me, you do BBR and, and you talked about the pick. Like, well, what was your reaction about Rousseau pick uh, with your recording? Yeah, my reaction was, I mean, I was surprised, right? And when I say I was surprised, like, I didn't think he was going to be the pick. I, I thought with other names that were out there that it might be an Aziz Ojolari or a Tevin Jenkins or a Jeremiah Wusukoromoa or an Asante Samuel. 
that's where my head was going. And then when they said Rousseau, I was like, it was like, again, it was almost taking me back a month. Um, so I shared that, like, again, not, not anything where it was like this overwhelming, overwhelming joy with it, but I've been talking about addressing the pass rush for months. So the fact that they did it, you know, this is what the bills, you know, need to do to improve. And if Rousseau can be that guy, I'm all in. Well, I'll tell you what, Anthony, I really appreciate you coming out with me again, literally in the middle of the night so that uh, I could drop this for listeners in the morning. Make sure you follow Anthony on Twitter at Anth Marino. Check out BBR. Also check out the Bruce exclusive. When you're done listening to this, if you didn't listen to his first, make sure you hear Bruce. I can't wait to listen to hear what he has to say about the draft. All I kept thinking in my mind is Travis ATN might have been pay-per-view worthy podcasting from Bruce might not have been his, it might not have been happy as Bruce but it might have been PPV worthy <laughs> but I, I don't know we'll, we'll see how things work out but anyway thanks thanks so much for doing the podcast and doing it so late I really appreciate you you know that listen man it's always a pleasure it's fun to catch up with you and thanks for having me on all right and I will be back I believe sometime on Sunday and we'll do a recap of the entire Buffalo Bills draft and talk about what's going to be next thanks guys talk to you soon